0: The faithlessness of his nation Israel and uh, uh, of the Jewish people. And this is not to disparage Jewish people. God loves Jewish people. He said they are the apple of his eye. But he established these covenants and they were faithless with it as a whole, as a nation. And so often you know he's established this new covenant which the writer of Hebrews is described as a better covenant covenant. And so often we're faithless with Him too. We don't follow His ways. And so that's what I wanted to to bring out here. And He brings it all together there in verse 18. I'll read it from the King James Version. I love this verse uh, right here. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Mm -hmm. though they be red like crimson they shall be as wool now Isaiah wrote that about 2750 years ago and it's still as timeless it's still as applicable as it was back then that's his word to every one of us come let us reason together Together. you know I'll clean you but you got to come to me And you've got to live rightly. You've got to follow my precepts, the things that I tell you. Amen. So we're going to get into more detail about that uh, coming up here. Okay, let's open up our Bibles here. And uh, I'll read the scriptures. Starting at Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2 and 5 through 8. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. And with my mouth will I make known your faithfulness. That's what this sermon is all about. The faithfulness of God. Your faithfulness to some generations. Is that what it says? Now it says your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness... You shall establish in the very heavens. And the heavens shall praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness also in the assembly of the saints. For who in heaven, in the heavens, can be compared to the Lord? Who among the sons of the mighty can be likened to the Lord? God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held in reverence with, by those around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord? Your faithfulness also surrounds you. You know, David was writing that 89th song as a sign of his faithfulness to his nation Israel, but to him personally as David, because God had already declared at that point that David's line lineage would last forever. And just as importantly... Is that the Messiah would be uh, uh, coming out of his um, his lineage, and it happened. The Lord Jesus Christ was called what the Son of David, right? He was directly related with both his father and his. Uh, I mean, with both his stepfather and his mother. They were both of the house and lineage of David. So God had spoke to him, told him what was going to happen. That he was going to bless his line forever. And he believed God. Because he knew that God was faithful. Amen. Amen. And God is always faithful to us. If he says it's going to happen, it's going to happen. His promises cannot fail. Also, reading the future covenant with uh, Israel starting at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Therefore I know that know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Deuteronomy 7, 9. But Israel was faithless. They turned away. And in Nehemiah writing... Uh, about a thousand years later, wrote this after they had returned from the exile. However, you are just in all that has befallen us. We are destruction of our nations. For you have dealt faithfully, but we have dealt wickedly, faithlessly. And then God's promise to us too. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And finally, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter two, I'm sorry, second Timothy chapter two verses eleven through thirteen. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him we shall also live with him. We die to ourselves, and then we live with Him. We live through Him. He lives through us. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this message. Father, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you that you're always going to be faithful to us. And Lord, as I uh, preach this message about your faithfulness, even in the midst of our faithlessness, Lord God, uh, we just praise and thank you for what you are, Lord. And uh, Lord, I pray for your anointing to be upon this message. And Lord, anoint our ears to to listen to what your spirit would say to this church today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Recently we've been looking at praise as a weapon to defeat the enemies in our lives. We saw how faith can be really employed as a weapon. The story of Jehoshaphat in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 describes how he sent his singers out ahead of him when he was being besieged by three different the armies from three different nations, he didn't have a prayer of having victory. But he sent out his singers; they praised the Lord, and all of a sudden the uh, armies started attacking one another. And by the time Israel's armies got there, there was nobody left. They'd all wiped each other out. Amen. And I believe, as I told you before, what happened spiritually is the praises of God confused the wicked spirits that were operating behind these armies and every battle that you fight brothers and sisters is a spiritual battle right. and you need to recognize that mm-hmm. you know we're in a battle right now brothers and sisters and the weapons of our warfare are not carnal right. but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds every stronghold the enemy has built up in your life can be torn down, and praise is a major weapon to achieve that. And the theme verse of our, our series on this is, let the high praises of God be in their mouth, and a two-edged sword in their hand. Psalm 149, verse 6. Now, I already talked about another aspect of uh, praise and and worship, and that's thankfulness. You thank God for what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do in your life. But, uh, you know, we've settled on this other uh, aspect of praise, and that is what I call adoration. That's when you adore God for who and what He is. And to do this, I've been going through what are called the attributes of God. And these include, but are not restricted to, His love. God is love, right? Holiness. God is holy. His justice. God is a just God. Faithfulness, which is what we're covering uh, in recent weeks. His truthfulness. Also called veracity. Veracity is just a fancy word for doing that. God is always going to be true to you. He's always going to give you the straight story. His eternity. He's eternal. He's always existed. He will exist into eternity future. And now you know what brothers and sisters? We are eternal too. Amen. Though we had a beginning, we our existence will always be he- here and we either enjoy it in the presence of God or we suffer eternal uh, separation from him and then there's what i call the omni uh, attributes omni meaning all um, omnipresence omnipotence and omniscience okay don't be scared with these things omnipresent means he's everywhere present Thank God. he's here now yes. amen how many of you know God is here now? He's omnipotent. God can do anything. And omniscience. God is all knowing. Now, these omni- uh, uh attributes will never really, you know, we'll just get a, a, a little foretaste of them in this life. Omnipresence. You know, we can be omnipresent too. You say, how? Well, you can do it in your prayer closet. Spirit. Did you know that? Yes. Today, you can go into your prayer closet and for a short period of time, five, ten, however long you want, minutes, you know, you can be a missionary to China. Amen. Yes, you know yes, that? Same thing with um, omnipotence. No, we're never going to be all powerful, but we can be powerful spiritually. We can gain in power spiritually by employing these weapons that I'm talking about. And you can defeat the forces of darkness. Omniscience? No, we're never going to be all knowing, but God can impart his wisdom yeah. to us. Again, in the secret place of prayer. We're going to look at these all more in, in later messages. Now, I spent the, uh, three Sundays each on talking about those first three attributes. God is love. And God is holy. And God is just. Amen. And the purpose for studying these attributes is God not only wants us to know who and what He is, He also wants us to be like Him. In short, He wants to take these attributes on as our own. That is, we need to be more loving people. We need to be more holy. Amen? We need His holiness. We need to be leading holy and pure lives, not defiled by the lust of the world. And He wants us to be just. We need to be just and fair with our dealings with all people and honest with them. You don't believe that God wants to be more like Him? It says in Romans chapter 8 verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, Amen. that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Yes. God wants us to be like him. Also, Second Peter chapter one verse four, by which we have been given us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature. You know, I, I told you that I took a uh, class on the fruit of the spirit, my final year of Bible college. And that was one of the scriptures that the quoted us pertaining to the fruit of the Spirit. Because the fruit of the Spirit is the divine nature. It's the very nature and character of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I say God wants us to be like Him, I don't mean that He wants us to be Him. You know, unlike uh, what the Mormons believe. <clears throat> he wants us to be like Him. And you know what, what boggles my mind is the fact that the New Testament writers really didn't understand, even though they're inspired, you know, they didn't understand it fully themselves. God couldn't give them all the information because, you know, why our little pea brains can't soak it in? We're mortal. That's why. And you know, even John wrote this. He said, "Beloved, this First John three 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet re- been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Amen. Yeah. Now, I covered the judgment seat of Christ the last couple of uh, uh, Sundays. And, you know, one of the things God is going to judge us For at the judgment seat of Christ is how much have we been transformed into His image of our own free volition. And that's key. How much do you want to be like Jesus? That's a question for everyone here, including me. How much do you want to be like Jesus? How much you choose to be conformed to His image. That's what this life is all about. He wants us to be conformed to His image. And He gives a solemn warning to us too. This is found in Hebrews chapter 7 verses I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 3 verses 7 through 11. Reading there, therefore as the Holy Spirit says today if you will hear His voice do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation, and they and said they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath they should not Enter into my rest. Now that's verse uh, that uh, is a direct quote from the second part of Psalm 95. You know, if you read the Psalm 95, you know, it's, it's got to be, I think, about the weirdest uh, Psalm in the Bible because the first high half of the Psalm, you read for yourself, is a Psalm of the highest praise to God. And in the two Verses prior to where it picks up here, verse seven, it says, "Come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the sheep of His pastor and the sheep of His hand." And then it just picks up right there. It says, "Right." In fact, it's right in the middle of the verse. You know, the the verse breaks and chapter breaks are not always. You know, the 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 Bible's inspired, but not the chapter breaks and the uh, 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 verse breaks and to me whoever broke that particular verse in Psalm 95 ought to have their head examined <laughs> because it's a completely different thought just right there in mid verse okay the highest praise then he says come uh, to, today if you will hear his voice you know <laughs> just completely different okay anyway but this, the psalm is talking about the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. A little backstory of that. It was right after the uh, uh, 12 spies, you know, they got, came to the brink of the promised land. You know, God had worked all these miracles, you know, defeating uh, Pharaoh with the 10 plagues and then the uh, parting of the Red Sea. And now they're on the break of walking in. And God says, before you do, go in, I want you to send out 12 spies and let them uh, tell you exactly what I've been telling you. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, I came back after the 40 days and uh, 10 of the spies delivered an evil report. He said, yes, it is a land flowing with milk and honey, but the giants are too big for us. There's no way we can conquer them. Let's go back to Egypt. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, you know, stood firm. He said, we are able to go up and take the country to possess the land from Jordan to the sea. God is going to deliver us. He's going to deliver these giants into our hand because we have a great God. But unfortunately, the children of Israel sided with the ten. And they said, "No, we're going to, you, know, you know, we're going to get rid of you, Moses, and then we're going to go back to Egypt." And that's where God said, "Okay, you're going to spend 40 days in, or 40 years in the wilderness, one for one year for every day that the spies were in there." And I'll, I'll, I'll pick up there a little bit later on, but I want to focus in uh, that one uh, verse there, uh, the last part of verse 10. It says they have not known my ways. The word there in the Greek is gnosko, which doesn't mean head knowledge; it means experiential knowledge. They have not experienced my way. I told them and they what they needed to do, but they won't allow that to go into their hearts, and they won't experience my ways. Okay. So my job as pastor here is to teach you the ways of the Lord, to feed you the Word of God. But it's up to you to take that and experience it for yourself. Okay, now three weeks ago we moved on to the uh, fourth attribute, which is the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. We looked at what does faithfulness mean? And I gave you a couple of quick de, uh, definitions there. Loyal or devoted. Another definition is dependable. God is dependable. Amen? Yes. When we speak of God, it means He always will always be loyal and devoted and dependable to us. He will never turn His back on anyone in this life. The only time He's going to turn His back is for those that steadfastly receive, refuse to have a relationship with Him. They've made it plain to Him that they do not have a relationship with Him now or in eternity. Now, when we speak of uh, being disloyal or not devoted to someone, it means it, in this. In effect, we have turned their backs on that person for uh, whatever reason. And you know what? When you sin intentionally, brothers and sisters... You know what you're doing? You're turning your back on God. You ever think of that? That's why David wrote in Psalm 19, verse 13. He said, keep back your servant also from willful sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent from great transgression. And he followed up with that and said let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in my sight o lord my strength and my redeemer now normally you know uh, you know this this faithfulness you know devotion dependability loyalty has special reference to a covenant or contract which is an agreement between two parties Normally we think of the marriage covenant when we think of unfaithfulness, right? He was unfaithful to his marriage vows, or she was unfaithful to her marriage vows. But it also means God's covenant with his people. I spoke on God's faithfulness on this subject the first week, and then extended it to our faithfulness in the past too, particularly how God not only expects us to be faithful, but He is also going to judge us at the judgment seat of Christ on that faithfulness. How faithful we have been to Him and also to others. Now, just a few verses down from that great passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, you know, the most descriptive passage on what's going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. We read this in verse 2 of chapter 4. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And you know, I was inclined to uh, be finished with this subject of God's faithfulness. But then, you know, just this past week I was reading uh, uh, with Dolly, you know, as part of our uh, uh, evening devotions. We read from scriptures from uh, Psalms, Proverbs, and the New Testament. And I came across Psalm 33, verse 4. And that particular scripture in the New International uh, uh, Version reads, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all He does. And somehow I just felt at that moment that I wasn't finished with talking about faithfulness. And so I've continued, I've extended for eat at least one more week. I don't know about next week. We'll just have to see what God tells me. Now the first message I concentrated much on the passage, uh, the message of God's faithfulness with the Old Covenant to His people Israel. And I'm going to return to that subject today, and, but specify that the covenant did not just begin with Moses. God's covenant with uh, the Hebrew people did not begin with Moses. It began instead, much earlier, with Abraham. But before I get into that, one other thing I want to review from that uh, sermon a few weeks ago. His faithfulness is rooted in His nature. Titus chapter, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. This is a faithful saying, for if we died with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we endure, we shall also reign with Him. If we die, deny Him, He also will deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. So for God to be disloyal to his covenants with us would be totally contrary to his very nature. That's what it means. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny who he is. He cannot stop loving us. You know, I've mentioned Amen. God is love. He can't stop loving. You know, even the people that suffer in eternity apart from... I believe that He still loves Him. And He mourns the fact that they would not turn to Him while they had the opportunity in this life. He cannot stop being holy. God is always going to be holy. He's always going to be pure. And we can be holy and pure by learning to dwell in His presence. He's always going to be just. He's always going to be fair. Nobody at the day of judgment, the two judgments I've talked about, you know, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment, everybody there is going to know exactly where, why they are going where they are going. And at the judgment seat of Christ, why are they receiving rewards or not receiving rewards? And finally, God is faithful. That's what we're talking about here. And that's a similar case with the next attribute that I'm going to be going through uh, maybe in a couple of weeks, and that is his truthfulness. God cannot lie. How many know God cannot lie? Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 says, It is impossible for God to lie. He is always, like I said, He's always going to give you the straight story. And if he lied, he would deny what he really is. Who is he really is. For God to lie. As he would be doing. If he reneged on his contracts. God does not renege on these covenants. The old covenant. And the new covenant. He does not not renege on it. We do. But he never does. If he reneged on his covenants. He would be doing something contrary to who and what he is. You know there is a scripture in Romans 11.29. 29. You know, very seldom talked about. And it's talking about God's dealings with Israel. And you know what it says? It says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, without repentance. God will always hold that covenant. And if you read the context of Romans chapters 9 through 11, you know he's talking about the nation of Israel. So God is always faithful to his covenant. God's promise to the Hebrew uh, people is rooted in his covenant with Abraham. He says, I will make you, that is Abraham, a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you will be, you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families, all the nations will be blessed. And God fulfilled that because through the Jewish people, the Messiah was born that hung there on the cross and paid for our sins. And later, He established that covenant in Isaac, who was the child of the promise. Isaac was born when Abraham was 100 and his mother. Sarah was 90. Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Amen? Amen. Now, I, you know, I never know what I'm going to talk about when I, before I start writing the scriptures. I, I get some ideas during the week, and then I sit down on uh, sa- uh, Saturday, and I start, you know, thinking about things and putting them on, down on paper. And I never know how it's going to turn out. And it just so happened that yesterday... You know, I was thinking about what I was going to do. But before I started writing, I opened up Facebook and I came across this little posting. This was a little blurb about what Mark Twain said about the Jewish people. Okay, listen here. This, this is very interesting. A timeless note from Mark Twain about the Jewish people, published in the year 1899. Mark Twain wrote, If the statistics are right, the Jews constitute but 1% of the human race. It suggests a nebulous dim puff of stardust lost in the blaze of the Milky Way. Pretty eloquent, right? Properly, the Jew ought to, to hardly be heard of, but he is heard of and has always been heard of. He is as prominent on the planet as any other people and his commercial importance is extravagantly out of proportion to the smallness of his bulk. His contributions to the world's list of great names in literature, science, art, music, finance, medicine, and obtruse learning are also way out of proportion to the weakness of his numbers. He has made a marvelous fight in the world in all the ages and has done it with his hands tied behind his back. He was, of course, referring to the way that the Jews have always been persecuted throughout the ages. He could be vain of himself and excuse for it. The Egyptian, the Babylonian, the Persian rose filled the planet with sound and splendor and then faded off to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman followed and made a great noise, but they are gone. Other peoples have sprung up and held their torch high for a time, but it burned out and they sit in twilight now or have vanished. The Jews saw them all, beat them all, and is now what he always was, exhibiting no decadence, no infirmities of age, no weakening of his parts, no slowing of his energies, no dulling of his alert and aggressive mind. All are mortal but the Jew, and the forces, other forces pass, but he remains. And then he asked the last question, what is the secret of his immortality? (laughs) Well, Mr. Twain, I can tell you what the secret to his immortality is. His covenant with Abraham. Amen. God established that covenant with Abraham. And it stands even today. Amen. Yeah. You know, through you, Abraham, all the nations of the world will be blessed. Now, I forwarded it. I, I like that so much. I forwarded that post and put it on my wall. And then I added these things. I said, you know, this, Mark Twain wrote that in 1899. That was 49 years before the creation of the state of Israel. Do you realize what a, a miracle that was? Against all odds of history, brothers and sisters, the Jews were able to reestablish a homeland. And in all places, it was done right there where it began, in the Holy Land. Not some far off corner of the earth, which it could have been done, But God's will was for them to re reestablish right there in the Holy Land. And if you, you know, brothers and sisters, if you read the history of the nation of Israel, the United Nations declared that they were going to become a nation. Well, the surrounding Arab nations didn't like that. And did you know, right after the declaration of that happened... Israel was attacked by five different, uh, the the armies of five different Arab countries. Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, and even far away, Iraq. They all attacked, and the fighting went on for months, and then they called a ceasefire. And you know what? Israel had more territory than when they started out. And that was just the first of uh, uh, three more wars there in the Middle East, three more wars. There was one in 1956, one in 1967, the Six-Day War. I remember that very well. I was a junior in high school when that happened. You know, they were threatening Israel, gonna overwhelm them, and Israel said, well, you guys gonna attack? We're gonna gonna, uh, beat you to the punch. And they did it. And the war lasted all of six days. And that's when they recaptured East Jerusalem and the West Bank. Yeah. Then they tried one more time in the Yom Kippur War in 1973. And again, same result. Every time Israel has been winning, is because God is on their side. Thankful. Thankful. And so, I mentioned that in my uh, forwarding post. And I also cited an occasion of Frederick the Great. You ever heard of Frederick the Great? He was a king of Prussia. Frederick the Great had a little conversation with one of his generals. And his general was a Christian, and Frederick the Great just challenges him. Tell me in one word, show me with one word why I should believe the Bible. And you know what Frederick the Great said? He said, the Jew, your majesty. And he would have given a similar defense to what Mark Twain would give about 100 years later. And I'm telling you something, brothers and sisters. God forbid that this country ever turns its back on the nation of Israel. Because we are going to be relegated to the ash heap of history. Things are happening right now that, you know, and, and we just cannot abandon them. We've got to continue to support him. And God has always been faithful to Israel, the Jew, even though they abandon him. First in the wilderness, which we read about in Psalm 95. Then with the two different kingdoms, Samaria and uh, Judah. And then finally in crucifying uh, the Lord. Now, as I mentioned, that covenant with Abraham became the Mosaic covenant 600 years later. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. So this promise... About the faithfulness of God, it was conditional. I'm gonna be faithful to you, Israel, but you need to be faithful to me. You need to love me and keep my commandments. Now, Israel broke that covenant time and time again with God, but he remained faithful to them. And three examples, I just gave them, I'll give them again and explain a little more. First example was in the wilderness. We read that in uh, Hebrews chapter uh, 3, verses 7 through 11, quoting, again quoting Psalm 95. And, you know, I like what uh, the writer of Hebrews writes later on. You know, this this is so, so descriptive here. He says, but with whom was he, God, grieved for 40 years? Was it not with them that sinned? Whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. I love that phrase. Whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. God says, you refuse to go into the promised land? Fine. But you're not going to return to Egypt either. Instead, you're going to wander around for 40 years. Until you drop like flies out there in the desert. And a new generation arises that will serve me better. That's what he was telling them. And by the way, you know, I explained this. You know, uh, how many of you remember this series I taught on the uh, tribes, the uh, uh, different uh, nations that Israel had to cast out? And I explained to you that those are a type of the things that we have to overcome. Mm. A lot of people think that the land of Canaan is a type of heaven, it's not. The land of Canaan is a type of the abundant life that Jesus offers to us. I have come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. That's what God wants each of us to do, is to live that abundant life. Amen? Okay, but we've got to overcome these different things. For example, I mentioned, uh, just as an example, the Hittites were the first ones. The Hittites means sons of terror. And I explained before, you can have an abundant life, you've got to overcome the spirit of fear in your life. Amen. So these people had to wander for 40 years there because they refused to go into that abundant life That land flowing with milk and honey that God was offering them. And he said, I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to help you to overcome it. And that's what he said to every one of you too. I'm going to help you fight these enemies in your life. And fear is an enemy. Hallelujah. Moving along. Example number two. Both the northern kingdom, that is Samaria, and later the southern kingdom of Judah, forsook God and served the gods of the land. And I've mentioned before, you remember the series I just taught uh, with a few months ago? Return of the Gods, Baal, Ashtoreth, and Milcon, uh, Con, or Moloch. Moloch. And I explained to you uh, back then that these gods are making a resurgence in Western society today. That's the return of the gods. But the children of Israel and the children of Judah... By and large, embrace these gods instead of, you know, maintaining their covenant with God. They serve these other gods, and like I told you a few weeks ago, it was, you know, a word picture that was uh, uh, the prophet Hosea. God tells him, "You're going to marry a prostitute." He said, "What? <laughs> you know, you're going to marry a prostitute, and she's going to run out on you." And then that was God's object, lesson. a word picture, that's what Israel has been doing to me. They've been a-whoring, if you would, after these other gods. Now, after their exile to Assyria and Babylon, then the restoration to their land, Nehemiah wrote this, However, you are just in all that has befallen me. God, we got our justice. We got what was due to us. We deserved the destruction of our nation, of our two nations, and the raising of our temple. You know, you're just for you have dealt faithfully, but we have done dealt wickedly or faithlessly. And finally, example number three: Israel was, was faithless in that they rejected their Messiah. They didn't just reject Him. No, you're not going to be our Messiah. They crucified Him. And the subsequent destruction of uh, Jerusalem and Israel uh, uh, was even predicted by Jesus. How many of you know Jesus knew what was going to happen? just before he delivered his Olivet Discourse to his disciples in Matthew chapter 24 and explained what was going to happen in the end times. You know, by the way, go home and read that, Matthew chapter 24. He told them, you know, his disciples are you know, saying, oh look, Jesus, this magnificent temple, what a beautiful building. And you know what Jesus said? Matthew 24, verse 2, he said, and Jesus said to them, do you not see these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. And that prediction was fulfilled to the letter. Because the Romans heard this rumor that the Jews had hidden gold in between the stones of the temple. And so they turned, pulled it down stone by stone, looking for that gold. This happened under the Roman general Titus approximately 40 years later in the year 70 AD. And you know what? The Romans plundered Israel and they took their gold back to Rome, and you know what? That's what they used to build the Roman Colosseum. <laughs> the Jews indirectly you know, financed the building of the Colosseum, and of course, other building practice, uh, projects that they had there in Rome. Now, other re- uh, rebellions happened after that. One mo- noble, notable one was in 135 AD, and once again, the Jews were scattered abroad. But God had not forgotten his people. And you have Ezekiel's vision of the dry bones. I don't have time to read it, but it's found in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 4. And the fulfillment of that was when God was going to restore the Jews to their homeland. And some see in this, you know, vision of the dry bones, that the bones are what happened during the holocaust mm. and so it was almost like Ezekiel 37 was predicting the holocaust because through that what happened there God the the, the nations of the world saw the necessity of the Jews having their own homeland and that uh, came about again with the birth of the nation of Israel in uh, 1948. So God was still faithful to them. They were faithless, but God was still faithful to them. And God is always faithful to his covenant. I mentioned before, you know, there's that expression, you can take it to the bank. In other words, I absolutely guarantee this, it's going to happen no matter what. And this describes God's fulfillment to the terms of his covenants with people. In our New Covenant we read, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, many times we read that uh, verse over and we simply read that God forgives us our sins when we confess them. Why, Why should God forgive our sins? Why should He do that? And we often pass by the basis of forgiveness... It's rooted in God's own uh, very nature. It's based upon the justice of God. I told you before, the cross is the perfect balance between God's love and God's justice. He loved his people, but he says they're not able to save themselves. So I'm going to send my son to die for them and pay for their sins. Amen? Hallelujah. And his justice was satisfied. And it's also based on his faithfulness with his covenant with us. Okay, I'm going to wrap things up here, brothers and sisters. Another example of God's faithfulness under this new covenant is his provision. Verse 19 of Philippians chapter 4. He says, And my God shall supply... Some of your needs according to his riches. Is that what it says? All. all. It says, my God shall supply all of your needs according to your riches and glory. I have pointed out that out before. He says, I'll provide for all of your needs, but not all your greeds. So don't go around praying for a million dollars. You most likely won't get it. And if you did get it, you wouldn't know what to do with it anyway. All of your needs, not all of your greeds, according to his riches. And I'll, let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. I have seen this fulfilled in my life. And I don't have much time to go into detail with them, but he proved that to me in two occasions. First was when he first called me to uh, go and do my missionary work in that faraway country of Thailand. God gave me that call, and I said, "God, I don't know anybody there." I, I said, y- "I'm going to make it hard to, on you if you want me to go, you know, go back there." I've been there as a, a, a serviceman in the U.S. Air Force, and so I said, "I'm going to make it hard for you. You got to open up a door for me without me doing anything." And God did that. Amen. And so I went that. Summer it was the summer after my first year of Bible college, the uh, summer of 1977. And I'd been kind of cocky about it. You know, they'd ask me, well, can you take care of your financial? And I said, oh, yeah, no problem. I had a pretty, fairly decent job back then. It wasn't, you know, extravagant, but, you know, I'll have enough money saved up. And just God decided he was going to take me down a couple of notches because I was being proud. And I had these expenses, you know, a couple of car expenses, as I recall, and that bled at about thousand dollars. With the last one was about500 dollars. And I said to myself, "You know what? Um, if I you know I was only going to have maybe about a hundred dollars left over, and that's not really enough. I'd already bought my plane tickets, but I'd only have about a100 dollars. And I said, boy, if I hadn't had that $500 expense, You know, I wouldn't have this problem. And then I got a letter from my father. had a $500 check in there. Wow. Amen. And God took me down those... Oh, and I I didn't mention... You see, um, at the time I was attending uh, Melodyland School of Theology, which was attached to Melodyland Christians uh, Center right across the street from Disneyland there in Anaheim, California and there was this tall gangly young man i don't know i was i was about 25 at the time and uh, uh, he was about my same age maybe a little younger but he was really tall you know he was about uh, 65 66 something like that and i don't even remember his name now but he was let's let's say he was mentally challenged you know and he probably couldn't hold down a job, but the church was employing him to do gardening around the grounds there. And one thing about this young man is he loved Jesus Christ mm. as much as anybody I have ever known. And I'm over there at the church office. I saw him working there in the yard. And you know what he did? He just pops off to me and he says, uh, Cliff, you know that God, my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Wow. And because of kind of his mental state, I kind of brushed him. I don't remember what I said to him, but you know, I, I, my attitude was just basically, yeah, 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 no, thanks a lot. Mm, you know, do your thing over there. And I didn't know it, but God was speaking to me through that young man. He was telling me he was going to provide the need that I had. And there's two things I learned that indeed God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And I learned that out of the mouths of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. You know, So this young man, this mentally challenged, he gave the word of the Lord to me. And he taught me, don't pass anybody off. Listen to His word to you. Okay, I don't have time to go into detail about the other one, but... You know, it's, it, it, it's basically how God took care of my needs when I didn't have yes. a job. I was living on unemployment at the time. I had a wife and three kids. Yeah, there was three kids at the time. All three of my children. Had, I had a wife and three kids to support. I didn't have uh, a job. I had my unemployment, so I had money coming in. And God supplied all of my needs through that time. And one week after my unemployment uh, ran out, I got a job. And that eventually job eventually led to my civil service appointment. And once I had that, I, I have really not ever had to worry about money ever since then. You know, God provides. If you're faithful to Him, but I, you know, all this time, you know, all my life, I've been faithful in paying my tithe. And so, you're faithful and you're paying your tithes. You don't need to worry financial deprivation. He is going to supply your needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Okay, I'm done. Hallelujah! Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer, Father. Lord we thank you for that you are faithful to your covenants. And Lord you showed yourself faithful to your people Israel even when they were faithless. And you had to wipe them out time and time again, Lord. And you were you all were always faithful to them. You always left them a remnant. You were faithful to your servant David even though he had his problems too, Lord God. Your promises to him and to your people, Israel, hold true. And as people, Christians here under your new covenant, I know that you're going to show yourself faithful to us too. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to think about this and think about what I've been sharing, Lord, that we need to be faithful to you. We need to be striving every day To be conformed to the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Change and transform us, we pray this, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is good. good. God is faithful. God is just. Amen. Okay.